Well, it doesn't matter. Alabama won yesterday, so it's okay. Well, good evening. I am so glad to be here. It is a delight and a joy to be at this church. Some of my very best friends have been coming here for years. I've talked to some of them even today. I talked to the Wisnets today. And when I got to the airport, I had a car rented. And when I went to the car rental place, it was closed for July, January the 1st. And so I didn't know what to do, so I was going to call Brother Charles. I thought I had his number, but I didn't. I called the church 12 times, and whoever that lady is who's on the tape, I have talked to her enough that I think we probably should get married. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it was just a recorded voice. I told Brother Charles he'll be real glad to know that everybody who comes to church comes into the service, nobody stays out by the telephone. But I called the Wisnets and they gave me his number and I finally got him and he came and picked me up at the airport and I've got to go back in the morning and pick up that car. But anyway, I'm glad to be here. Choir, you sure did bless me tonight. I tell you, I love to hear choirs. More and more churches are not having choirs anymore and that's sad because that robs some people of their best way of serving the Lord. But I was certainly blessed tonight. And I'm looking forward to hearing Brother Todd preach tonight. I'm the first preacher tonight. I'll be the first preacher tomorrow night and the first preacher Tuesday night. I never preach after Brother Herb Revis. He and I, he and I preach a lot together in Bible conferences. I always go first. I get up, I kind of love on the folks, and he gets up and just knocks a whaling out of them. So... Uh, Anyway, we're going to have a good time this week, and I hope you'll plan to be in every service. Well, the first preacher has the responsibility to stand up, speak up, shut up, and sit down. So I'll honor that. Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Now, I take December off. The second week of December, I contracted flu A. I don't know what flu B is, but if it's worse than A, I hope I never get it. I've never been so sick in my life, but I'm well, except I have a lingering cough. They said that would last about six weeks. So I'll apologize right now for any coughing that I may do, but I'll do my best. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. If you have found it, say amen. amen. And after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was nigh. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. 
but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. The New Testament begins with four books that we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are often referred to as the synoptic Gospels, which means they're written basically from the same point of view. Now, they're not identical, but basically what Matthew, Mark, and, do, Mark and Luke do is this. They give to us a historical and chronological presentation of the life and the ministry of Jesus. When you put the three of them together, you find his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension back into heaven. And that's basically the purpose of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, a personal, historical, chronological presentation of the life of Jesus. But the Gospel of John is not like that at all. It has an entirely different purpose. The Gospel of John is really the first Gospel tract ever written. When you read the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus is recorded as performing 37 different specific miracles. Now, he may have performed many more than that. The Gospel of John ends by saying, if everything Jesus did and said had been written down, the world would not be big enough to contain all the volumes necessary. But there are 37 specific miracles that Jesus did that are recorded in the New Testament. What John did was this. He chose seven of them. Out of those 37, John chose seven miracles to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. In John chapter 2, Jesus changes water into wine. In John chapter 4, Jesus heals the son of a nobleman at a distance of over 20 miles away. In John chapter 5, Jesus heals a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000 that we read about. And also in John chapter 6, Jesus walks on water. And in John chapter 9, Jesus heals a grown man who had been blind from birth. He'd never seen. He didn't know red from blue or green from orange. He'd never seen a sunrise or a sunset. He'd never seen the beauty of a rose. He'd never seen anything. And yet Jesus gave him his sight in John chapter 9. And then in John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Those are the seven miracles that John shows. And he said, look, only the Messiah, only the Son of God could do those things. And Jesus did every one of them, and no one but Jesus could do any of them. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. And if you will believe in him, you will have everlasting life. 
Now that's the purpose of the Gospel of John. It is a soul winning track. Look at Jesus, look at what he did, believe in him, and you can be saved. Of the 37 miracles that Jesus performed in the Gospels, some of them are only mentioned in one book. Some of them are mentioned in two books, some of them are mentioned in three books, but only one miracle of Jesus is recorded in all four of the Gospels, only one. And it's the one we read about tonight. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle of Jesus recorded in all four Gospels. Now all four Gospels tell us certain things. All four Gospels talk about the large crowd, 5,000 men, but that's just men. Most of those men would have been married, and most of those married couples would have had children. So we're probably talking about upwards to 30,000 people in all, just 5,000 men plus the rest. So all four Gospels talk about the size of the crowd. All four Gospels talk about the five loaves and the two fish. And all four Gospels talk about the 12 baskets full of leftovers when everybody had gotten through eating. But John adds three things in his gospel that Matthew, Mark, and Luke say nothing about. First of all, John inserts the names of two men into the miracle, Philip and Andrew. Matthew, Mark, and Luke say nothing about any human personalities at all, but John tells us that Philip and Andrew were right there and were a part of this great miracle of the Lord Jesus. A second thing John does that the others don't do, John is the only one who tells us where the five loaves and the two fish came from. Andrew said there's a lad here. That word lad lets us know he's a little boy. He's not a teenager. He's a child, maybe somewhere between the age of 6 and 11, but a little boy. He's the one that had the five loaves and the two fish. And the third thing John does, John is the only one that tells us what kind of grain was used to make the bread. He says it was barley bread. It was barley. It was made out of barley. And John is the only one who tells us that the, smith, that the fish were small fish. Were it not for the Gospel of John, we would have known nothing about what the bread was made of, and we would not have had any idea about the size of the fish, whether they big or small or whatever. But John says barley bread and small fish. Now, all of those things I've just told you, you remember them. I was a seminary professor for a number of years, and at the end of the message, you'll get out a half a sheet of paper, and we'll have a pop quiz right here tonight. But if you'll file those things away, they'll be important in just a minute. If I'd gone back and read the fifth chapter of John, this is the setting of what's going on. Early that morning, Jesus and the 12 disciples gathered there on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee, right beside the, sea of, uh, the city of Capernaum. And Jesus said to those 12 disciples, Men, today I'm going to send you out two by two for a specific task. I'm going to send you out to preach. And I don't want you to preach about the beauties of creation. I don't want you to preach about the joy of being filled with the Spirit. I want you to preach repentance. 
Everywhere you go, I want you to preach the message of repentance. The people have turned their backs on God, and they need to repent and get right and come back to God. If there's ever been a nation on the earth that needed to hear the message of repentance, it's America today. Jesus said, I'm going to send you out two by two, and I want you to stay at it all day long. Everywhere you go, I want you to keep a record of what the people, how they responded and what happened while you were there. And so Jesus disperses the 12. They go out two by two, and he tells them, now when the sun begins to set, you come back and you give me a report. I want to know where you went. I want to know what you said, and I want to know how the people responded to the message. And so he disperses them. And Jesus is standing there on the Sea of Galilee. Well, people begin to gather, and some of them are sick. Some of them have physical uh, limitations and handicaps. And Jesus begins to heal people. And he doesn't call anybody. Everybody who comes that's blind, he restores their sight. Those that are deaf, he gives them hearing. Those who cannot speak, he lets them speak. Those that are crippled, he restores their ability to walk and to run. Jesus is healing people. And word begins to spread like wildfire. People run back into the city of Capernaum, and they begin to say, hey, there's a healer. There's a healer down on the sea today. You, if you've got any kind of physical problem, you need to go down to the sea. There's a man down there by the name of Jesus and he's healing everybody that needs to be healed and so the crowd begins to grow there might have been a hundred to start with and then there's a thousand and then there are three thousand then five and then here come the women and children now there's ten maybe twenty five thirty thousand people probably the largest crowd ever to assemble on the Sea of Galilee up until that time and Jesus spends all day long healing people healing people healing people well the sun goes down, and the disciples come back, and Jesus asks them for their report, and they give it to him. And then Jesus says, go get in that little boat right there, and we're going to row across to the northeastern side of the Sea of Galilee over by this little town of Bethsaida. And so they leave Capernaum and sail across the sea to that other area. And when Jesus and the disciples get in the boat and begin to sail across the other side of the sea, nobody's ready for the show to be over. Have you ever been in a service? Have you ever been in a service where the power of God just came down so mightily? And when the service was over, nobody wanted to go home. You didn't have to sing another song. You didn't have to preach another sermon. The presence of God was so real. People just wanted to stay and bask in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's the way it was with these people. Nobody wanted it to be over. They'd never seen anything like this. They'd never heard anyone like him. And when Jesus and the disciples got in the boat and started to go across the other side, by water it's only about three miles. But all of these thousands and thousands and thousands of people, they just began to walk around that northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And if you're going to walk, it's about four and a half miles. Well, Jesus and the disciples got over to the other side before all of those masses of people walked around. And so Jesus and the 12, they go up on the, on the shoreline 
mind there. They go up on the mountainside and the darkness is beginning to set in and Jesus looks and here comes all of these people, men and women and children, thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And Jesus sees the sun setting and he knows it's supper time. And he says to the disciples, uh, men, we need to feed these people. Well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when you read their gospels, their suggestion was just send them away. Let them go to McDonald's or somewhere. But Jesus wouldn't have any of that. Jesus said, no, we're going to feed them. And so he turns to Philip and he says, Philip, where can we buy Food. Well, now he asked the right person because that's where Philip was from. He was from that town on the northeastern side of the Sea of Galilee. He knew where the grocery stores were. He knew where the restaurants were. He knew where to get the food, but he had a problem. He said, Lord, we've only got 25 to $30 in our till. Now, Jesus has been in public ministry at this point for over two years. And after two years of public ministry, all the money they've got is $25 to $30. Jesus would have never made it on Christian television today. These so-called televangelists today, they've got their own private airplanes and they've got their yachts and they've got mansions doting around the nation and they say, if you really love God, you're going to be healthy and you're going to be wealthy. And I tell you, that's a lot of bump. That's a lot of nonsense. That's silly. And Jesus said, I know how much money we've got. You know, I wish, I wish Peter would, I wish Philip would have said, Lord, uh, we don't have any money, but, but you're enough, you're all we need. But he didn't say that. And then Andrew speaks up, and he says, Jesus, there's a little boy here. And this little boy, I mean, he's not going to, I'm going to say more about him in just a minute, but he's not going to be put off. I can just see him as he gets up there where Jesus is, and he hears Jesus say to Philip, we need food. And he, he begins to tug on Andrew's sleeve, sir, sir, mister, hey, mister, 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 hey, mister, what? He needs food. I got food. I got, I got five loaves and two fish. And he shows Andrew what he's got in the bag. And I'm sure Andrew got a guffaw laugh at that. And he said, Jesus, uh, I hate to bring this up, but this kid won't let me alone. And he's got uh, these five little biscuits and two little fish. And, and uh, he wanted me to show it to you. And Jesus doesn't laugh. Jesus takes it and uses it. And so that's what's going on on this day. All day long, the disciples have been out preaching. Now they've come back. They've gone over to the other side, and all these thousands of people have walked around, and they're coming up the mountainside, and Jesus says, we're going to have to feed them supper. Well, now let's think about that little boy. Just a boy. Not, not a young adult, not a teenager, just a little boy. My wife and I have two sons. My youngest son is my pastor. I tell folks I'm the only man in our church that ever whipped a pastor, and I did. That's why he's such a good pastor today. And my oldest son, Vance, he's just become the senior vice president of the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. And so both of my boys are preachers. Now, I didn't plan it that way. I had hoped one of them would become a businessman and get rich and support his daddy in his old age. But now I'll have to preach till I die because both of my boys are preachers. But uh, little boys are different than little girls. 
Now, a lot of people in Washington today don't know that. In Washington, they think, but I'm telling you, boys and girls are different, and God made them that way. And if you're born a little boy, you're going to be a little boy. And if you're born a little girl, you're going to be a little girl. Just, that's just the way it is. Well, this little boy, and this, he's different. Uh, little, little girls, when they get up in the morning, they, they, they primp. And they think, how can I bless the world with my presence today? Well, little boys and I like that. Little boys, they get out of bed, they walk up one wall, they walk across the ceiling, they walk down the other wall, and they spring into the living area and say, good morning, good morning, good morning. So this little boy, obviously, he had been in bed, and he heard people running up there saying, there's a healer, there's a healer, there's a healer down on the shore. And they woke him up, and he began to hear what's going on about this man down there at the Sea of Galilee, healing all these people. And so he jumps out, he goes out into the open area, and there's his mother. And she asked him the same question, Mother, motherhood has not changed in 2,000 years. He, she asked the same question, mothers asked today, son, what are you going to do today? He said, oh, mama, 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 I'm going down to the Sea of Galilee. Mama, there's a man down there, and I've heard out my window, he's healing everybody. Blind people are seeing, deaf people are, are hearing, mute people are singing, crippled people are walking. Mother, I've never seen anything like it. I'm going down to the Sea of Galilee to see this man. And then she asked that second question. Mother's always asked, well, how long are you going to be gone? Oh, Mother, I'm going to be there all day. I'm going to stay as long as it lasts. I'm going to be there. I want to get as close to this man, Jesus, as I can get. Maybe I can touch him. I want to hear his words. I want to get up real close. And I'm going to stay there till it's all over. And then her motherhood really kicks in. She says, okay, son, if you're going to be gone all day, you're going to need a little food. And she reaches up in that little bin, and she gets five little loaves. Now, don't think about a loaf of bread at Kroger's. We're talking about little biscuits about the size of a fish. She gets five little barley biscuits and two small fish that have probably been cut right down the center and gutted and opened up to dry in the sun. To bite into them, the texture would be like a, a thick potato chip. And so she takes those five little biscuits and those two little fish and she puts them in a little sack and she says, now son, put these in your pocket and throughout the day if you get hungry, just reach in there, break off a little piece of fish and eat it, break off a little piece of bread and eat it and this will be enough to last you. You get home tonight and we'll have supper. And so that little boy takes that little sack of food, he puts it in his pocket and I mean as fast as he can go lickety split, as fast as his little legs are run, he's off and he's down there by the Sea of Galilee and he gets up real close and he stands there watching Jesus heal all these people one after another after another old men young men old ladies young ladies teenagers I mean Jesus just healed one after another hundreds of them and this little boy standing there in amazement well when Jesus and the disciples get in the boat and go across this little boy when he sees all these thousands of people begin to walk around to go over to the other side where Jesus is, he goes with them. He doesn't go home and ask his mama, you know, sometimes it's better to get forgiveness than it is permission. And so this little boy, he just joins in and he runs, and he must have been running. He was, seems to be the leader of the pack because when they get over to the other side, he's the first one up the hill, and he gets there just in time, just in time to hear Jesus say, Philip, where, where can we buy bread? That's that little boy. I want to tell you three things about him and then I'll be through. 
Number one, he didn't have much. What kind of bread was it? What was the grain? Ah, you listen, you listen. Well, barley bread. Barley was the poorest excuse for grain in the world. Barley was not fit for human consumption. Barley was used to feed animals. It was used to feed cattle and horses and oxen and sheep and goats. Barley was not fit for human. The only people that ate barley were the poorest of the poorest of the poorest of the poor. And so that tells you a little bit about the home that little boy came from. And those two small fish, just maybe the size of your hand, split down the middle, gutted, and dried in the sun. That's all he had. He didn't have much. He didn't have much. You know, I've been doing this, I've been preaching now for 59, I'm 75, and I know I look older than that, but if you spend as many nights a year with Baptists as I do, you'd look older. <laughs> Baptists to kill the preacher. I'm just telling you, that's the way it is. But this little boy didn't have much. But everywhere I go, people say, Brother Bob, I wish I could, I wish I could do more for the Lord. I wish I, could, I wish I could be a better servant of God. But Brother Bob, I don't have a seminary degree. Hey, you don't have to have a seminary degree to serve the Lord. Brother Bob, I wish I could do something for the Lord. But I, I can't read Greek or Hebrew. You don't have to read Greek or Hebrew to serve the Lord. All you have to do is just trust Him with what you have. If you can't sing well, sing when the congregation sings, but don't stand up and sing a solo. Listen, I've heard some bad singing. I've decided the Lord is not a good songwriter because people get up and say, the Lord gave me this song, and I tell you, it's awful. It's terrible. Then there's some folks, they sing, and they get just close enough to the note and miss it. It makes me want to become a serial killer. If you can't sing, don't worry about it. Sing when the congregation sings and then shut up. Amen? <laughs> Brother Bob, I don't have lots of money. Who cares? You don't have to have a lot of money to serve the Lord. Now, in about every church I go to, there's always a few people that got lots of money. They could give a lot of money. They usually don't, but they could if they wanted to. Brother Bob, I could never, I'm not a good teacher. I could never teach a Sunday school class. Don't worry about it. If you can't sing, and if you can't give lots of money, and if you can't teach, the devil will say, well, you're just worthless. But you're not worthless. I tell you two things every Christian has got. Number one, you've got a story. You've got a story. Now, your story's not the same as mine, and mine is not the same as Brother Charles, and Brother Charles is not the same as Brother Todd's. But every Christian's got a story. There was a day when you were lost. Now you're saved. Something happened in between there to make that change. Maybe you got saved at school. Maybe you got saved watching Billy Graham on television. Maybe you got saved at work. Maybe you got saved driving out a car. Uh, but you've you got a story. And I'll tell you something else you've got. You've got time. Now, some folks have more time than others. If you're retired, man, you ought to have a lot of time to serve the Lord. 
Have you ever thought about just calling the church and saying, is there anything I can do down there today to help you all out? Maybe I can come help fold bulletins. Maybe I can come make a few phone calls. Uh, you don't have to owe me a dime. I just want to serve the Lord. You see, every Christian's got a story and every Christian's got time. And so you don't have to have a lot. It doesn't take much to serve the Lord. This little boy didn't have much. Number two, he didn't have much, but he gave what he had. He gave what he had. Now, if this little boy had been a Baptist, and thankfully he wasn't, but if he had been, he'd have had a crisis right here. He needs food. I got food, but it's mine. It's mine. My mother gave it to me for me to eat. When I get hungry, it's mine. It's and once he got over that, then he had the second conflict Baptist have. Okay. Am I going to give all of it or some of it? <laughs> you know, we Baptists, we love to percentage the Lord, don't we? Now, God, you can have this part of my heart. I don't use it much. But now this over here, that's for me, you know. I'm going to partial you out, the Lord. Well, and this little boy decided I'm going to give it all. He gave it all. And that's what the Lord asks of us. Just give Him what you have. Just give Him what you have. Everything you've got came from Him anyway. And so just give Him what you have. If all of you have is a little, give Him a little. But give Him all of it. It all belongs to Him. Just trust Him. He didn't have much. But he gave what he had. And number three, Jesus used what he gave. You will be amazed what God will do with what you give him if you'll just give it to him. Andrew laughed, but Jesus didn't laugh. The Bible says Jesus took that little bag and he blessed it. He prayed over it. And then he told the disciples, have all the men sit down. Now, ladies and boys and girls, they had to stand up. I'm sorry. I'm not the editor. I'm just a delivery boy. I didn't write this. I'm just The men got to sit down. Everybody else stood up. And some of them sat here and some there, some there, some. I mean, 30,000 people, it's going to be quite a sitting. And the 12 disciples, they all lined up, and they all had a basket. Now, some people get so silly. Well, Brother Bob, where did they get those baskets? I don't know. Maybe they went to Walmart. I could care less. But they all had a basket. And Jesus said, line up, fellas, and one after the other. And Jesus reached in that little sack, got a little piece of bread, and he began to break it. Those wonderful hands, those helping hands, those healing hands, those soon-to-be nail-scarred hands. And he filled basket after basket. And he filled the first one and said, you go start over there. Here comes the second one. Jesus reached in, broke off a little piece of fish, bread, whatever, and he broke it. And he filled that basket. And he filled all 12 of them. Now, have you ever tried to prepare a supper for 30,000 people? That put a lot of strain on most WMU ladies, I promise you that. 
You can't feed 30,000 people with 12 baskets full of food. So I have an idea that each one of those 12 disciples came back and got in line at least 50 times apiece. And Jesus just reached in that sack and broke it and broke it and broke it. And all of those people were filled. The Bible says when they were filled. I know what it means to be filled. And after they were all filled, Jesus said, go gather the leftovers. And each one of them brought back a heaping, overflowing basket of leftovers. And here's this little boy standing over here. Oh, watching every bit of this. Watching Jesus reach in that little sack that his mama gave him and pull out a little bit and fill basket after basket after basket after basket after basket after basket. And now they go and gather the leftovers and here they come back with 12 baskets heaping overflowing full. And I have an idea that little boy's eyes were as big as saucers and his bottom chin was dragging the ground in amazement. And in my imagination, I just hear that little boy saying, Jesus, where did all this come from? And you know what Jesus said? It all came out of your pocket. Do you think that little boy that morning when he ran away from home going to the shore, with those five little biscuits and those two little fish in his pocket. Do you think for a minute he thought he had a miracle in his pocket? No, he did not. And it wasn't a miracle until he gave it to Jesus. And when he gave it to Jesus, Jesus used it to bless the lives of thousands of people. Being from Alabama, there's a football coach that I love you may not care anything about. His name is Bear Bryant. Many folks with great intelligence think he's the greatest football coach of all time. When the Crimson Tide of Alabama went into the locker room at halftime, the last thing he always said when they went back on the field for the second half, he said, men, Leave it all on the field. Don't bring anything back to the locker room. Win, lose, or draw, leave it all on the field. And folks, we have a heavenly head coach. And he's saying to us, leave it all on the field. Don't you dare, don't you dare go to heaven with a miracle in your pocket. Amen. Help me, Jesus. Mm -hmm. How rich, wasn't it? Amen. It's not going to stop here.